everyone, how are you guys doing today? It's good to see you guys. I spilled water all over my um, I am so, so glad you're here on this special day called Barefoot Sunday. I got my kicks on that I'm going to be taking off. Hey, listen, not everybody, I guarantee you nobody else here has a white pair of leather K-Swiss. I've had, I love these things. Anyway, I'll be dropping them off back there in my dad's shoes, right? So, hey, uh, I am so glad you're here on this special day. We're going to be doing that. Hey, I want to tell you something. Last week, we had so many coats at Devota Coat that we had to leave between services with a pickup full of coats that, that has been given here, that was given last week. So give you guys, give yourself, give yourself a hand. That's it. And uh, I know that we're having to, to dump out bins of shoes already, so thank you so much for that. You are going to be so glad that you did this. December the 21st at, at, at the Expo Center, when we do bikes for kids, when we give away all these bikes, when you see all the things that are happening, you're going to be so glad you took part in this. So thank you very, very much for this. Real quickly, let me talk to you something about something that's happening next week. Next week, we have Andrew Denton all the way from Hillsong Church, legitimately, Australia. Uh, if you, have you guys heard of Hillsong Church? Okay. Uh, big, all, a lot of worship comes out of that church, worship songs that we sing. And uh, he's coming. It's one of probably the most significant, the most influential church in the world. But he does a ministry there called Kingdom Givers, and he's coming to our church. This is a, I mean, this is a rare gift that, that we were able to get him in. And, uh, you know, he's, he was talking to me about, you know, some of the things that he's done and where he goes and, and what he's doing. And I'm thinking, how in the world did this happen? And uh, it just, it's just an incredible gift that we get to hear him talk about this. And he's going to be challenging our church. And I'm not going to talk to you all the things about kingdom givers. I'm going to let him talk. But I want you to do your best to be here, okay? Will you tell me that? Just do your best. I just want you to, want you to be here for this. And, and, man, we're going to roll out the red. He's all the way from Australia. And, you know, he's kind of a, kind of a, a VIP, kind of important guy. So we're going to roll out the red carpet. We're going to be really nice to him. We got him a really nice uh, room at the Fleetwood Motel. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, but no, uh, he, he called me. I was talking to him on the phone the other day. And he goes, uh, uh, Australian, he said, so, mate, uh, I was wondering if there in Oklahoma, if uh, people in your church, if if uh, they you carry weapons because the, in Europe you know that nobody has any of the guns. I'm like probably about fifty percent of the people in church are packing. You know, especially this constitutional carry, you can let's just like put one around your leg. You know, and he goes, well that freaks a mate out like me. I'm just like, well, you know, we won't shoot you, <laughs> but. Anyway, hey, I'm really excited about that. Do your best to be here, and uh, we have a Love Gives. We're receiving a special offering next week to kick off all the generosity that we're going to be doing in December. Bring your best gift, your best offering next week. Let's kick it off with prayer today. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today, and thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your house on this special day. I ask, Lord, that you will speak to us about the importance of giving out of a spirit of love. And this we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, love gives. <clears throat> Nothing is more powerful than love's expression through generosity. Nothing is more powerful than love expression through generosity. Because of love, God saved the world with the most powerful gift of his only son. 
In John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he told it, right? For God so loved the world that he felt really, really special about it. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave. And he didn't just, he didn't just give the last and the least, but he gave his, the most precious thing in his world. No one has given more to humanity than God himself. And here's the deal. His love goes farther than that. His love looks for opportunities to give to his children and to bless us and to resource us for our enrichment and also for the building of his kingdom. In 2 Corinthians 9 and 10, it says, For God is the one who provides seed to the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. So blessing should produce something. Blessing should produce a harvest. Blessing is supposed to be done on purpose. Not only does God want to bless you, but God has a purpose of blessing that he wants to bless and resource people through you. Not only does he want to resource your life so you can be a blessing to your family, not only does he want to take care of your family, but God has another purpose. He wants to bless people through you. God blesses you not randomly, but he blesses all of us on purpose. Look at this. The scripture says that he will provide and increase your resources. Not only does he provide through our generosity, not only does he provide our resources, but he increases our resources. So I have a question for you today. How many of you can say today that you would like for God not only to provide, you don't have to raise your hands, but just think about this, that you can say, I, I would like for God to, to not only provide, but also to increase my resources in areas of my life. How many of you could say that? I would like for God to do that. Absolutely. I mean, can anybody here say, you know what? I've got everything that I need. I'm completely resourced in any area of my life. No, thank you, God. I'm doing just fine on my own. Can anybody say that? No. I, I, pretty much everybody here can say that, yes, I would, you know, in the future today, I would like for God to provide and increase the resources on my life. So with that, with that being said, I want to explore today just how that we can tap into God's blessing in our lives. And I want to establish this statement that God's provision and increase is obtained through our generosity. Let me say that again. I want to establish that today, that God's blessing, God's provision and increase is obtained through our actions or through our generosity. It's kind of like this. Daily prayer and reading, daily disciplines. Daily prayer and reading of the scripture. If you fast, these kinds of spiritual disciplines in our lives, they affect or they tap into or they, 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 they activate the spirit of God in our lives. Let me say that again. Daily disciplines, reading of the word of God, uh, 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 prayer life. Fasting, however much you do, that activates the spirit of God in our lives. However, generosity activates the hand of God in our lives. You believe that? I want you to know, and I, I want to establish it. I want to show you something. I want you to go to 2 Kings 4 and 8, and I want to go to an ancient story in Scripture passage that illustrates this. 2 Kings 4 and 8. Elisha was, we're talking about Elisha, he was a prophet of God. He was the apprentice of Elijah. And prophets in those days, these were uh, two of the most powerful prophets in the Old Testament passage. Now here's the deal. What would happen is we have, we have scripture and we have Bible in order to learn what we need to learn from the scripture. You believe that? 
So there's no, there's no modern day walking around prophets like there were in those days. I don't think because God doesn't move, it's just that God has provided an ancient text and scripture and, and writings. There was nothing like this in Old Testament. The only thing that they had was a walking, talking Bible, somebody like Elisha, somebody like Elijah. So that's where we get Elisha. One day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem, and a wealthy woman lived there, and she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed that way, he would stop there for something to eat. And she said to her husband, I am sure that this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof, and let's furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. And then when... He, then when then he will have a place to stay whenever he comes by. And one day Elisha returned to Shunem and he went to his upper room. He had a little retreat over there, if you will. He was getting rest and he, after he was rested, he said to his servant Gehazi, he says, tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak to her. And when she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her, here's what I want you to say to her. We appreciate the kind concern you have shown us what can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for the king on your behalf? Or can we talk to the commander of the army on your behalf? What can we do for you, Shunem woman? No, she replied, my family takes good care of me. I don't need anything. Now imagine that this woman, the Bible says that she was wealthy. She, in her mind, she has need of nothing. She says, I'm completely taken care of. My family takes care of me. Later, Elisha, he asked his servant again, what can we do for her? Look at the effort that a, somebody who taps into, somebody that is connected to God, somebody that, that God is working miracles through, look at the effort that he is taking just to do something kind, just to be a blessing to someone who has been generous and been a blessing to him. He says this again, what can we do for her? And his servant Gehazi replied, she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old guy. 15th verse says, we'll call her back again and Elisha uh, Elisha told him, when the woman returned, Elisha said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you're going to be holding a son in your arms. Now I want you to think about that for a second. This, this is a woman that felt like she was in need of nothing. And a lot of times when people are blessed, when people are wealthy, God is taking care of them. They are completely resourced, and they tend to think, a lot of people think like this. I, man, I really, I am so happy. I'm, I, I really don't need anything in my life. God is taking care of me. But I want to tell you something. I don't know where you are in your financial status. I don't know where you are in your walk of life, but God can always come in and find something in your life that you think that you could live without, even something like this woman that had given up on, and he can find something. We always need what God has for us. Amen? So now think about that. She never had a son. And then Elisha, somebody that's, that's close to God, says, you're going to be holding a son. What would your response be? Listen to what she says. No, my Lord, she cried out. I have had children before. I don't want any more. No, that's not what she said. <laughs> no, my Lord, she cried out. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. Now we're finding out what's going on in her life that, in fact, she has given up on a dream that she once had. And although this was a woman who was completely resourced, completely blessed, God is about to radically move in her life and give her something that she had completely given up on. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. 
And at that same time, the following year, she had a son just like Elisha said that she would. I wish I could say that that was the end of the story and they all lived happily ever after. And we talked about her faith and her generosity, but that's not all. The 18th verse says, one day when the child was older, he was, he was working out in the field with his dad. He was still a child. He was probably, probably 12 years old or younger. And as he's out there, the Bible says, the scripture says that his head begins to hurt. And he tells his dad, dad, my head hurts. My head hurts. And he said, hey, he tells his servant, take him back to his mother and see if she can tend to him. So she takes him back. And as she takes, or he takes her back. And as he is, she is holding her son in her arms, the Bible says that he passes away right in her arms. Now, I don't know what you would do in that moment. I consider that this was a promise from God. This was something that she didn't even ask for. And in a very hopeless situation, the scripture says what she does is she lifts him up in her arms and she climbs to the top of that room, that room that she decorated with that lampstand, with that little table, with that bed. And she set, that, set her son on that bed his dead body on that bed and she tells her servant go saddle my donkey and once she saddles his donkey once this donkey gets, she, she tells her servant walk as fast as you can and we're going to go find Elisha and don't slow down go quickly unless I tell you to slow down and when she meets up with Elijah as she's approaching the mountain Elisha looks out and he says I recognize her he tells his servant, Gehazi, go down and see what she wants. Because that's, prophets were kind of like, they were treated like kings. Go down and see what she wants and see if there's anything that you can do for her. So as Gehazi approaches her and walks up, he walks up to her and he goes, hey, is everything okay? And she goes, yeah, everything's okay. Keep going. She don't want to talk to him. The 15th verse says this. When she came to the man of God, actually this is the 27th verse. When she came to the man of God on the mountain, she fell on the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. And as Gehazi tried to push her away, hey, like, stop bothering the man of God. Elisha says, leave her alone. What's going on? And listen to what she says. The boy's mother said this. She says this. She says, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? And didn't I say, don't deceive me and get my hopes up? Did I ask for this? I didn't even ask. You did this. So Elisha handed his servant his staff and said, go put this staff on that boy and God will heal him. And his servant took off and he's looking at the lady and he's kind of nodding like, there you go. And the scripture says she looked at him and said, I don't know what, something to the effect of, I don't know what you're thinking, but as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm not going anywhere unless you're going with me. So he says, okay. So he loads up, and he goes with her all the way back to her house. And he goes up, make a long story short, he walks up there, and he prays for him to be healed, and nothing happens. And the scripture says that he 
stretches his body out over this young boy, his face to his face, his hands to his hands, his feet to his feet. He prays for him, and he's healed. And the Bible says she is overwhelmed with gratitude. This is one of the most amazing miracles in the Old Testament. And here's what I want to tell you this. Here's what I want to tell you today. Miracles like these are not random. Something like this, for her to receive two miracles like this in her lifetime, first a son that she should have never had, and then the enemy tried to steal that little boy away, and then she sees him raised from the dead. I want to tell you something. This is not, if you'll pay attention to what the Bible says, there's not randomness going on with miracles, that, that in fact there was, there was something else going on. There was a faith that was going on, and there was a generosity factor going on. Jesus actually spoke about this when he talked about the story of Elijah and the widow and that boy. Remember this story where hey, this woman was making her last meal, and Elijah comes along and says, make a portion for me. And God blessed her resources. Jesus said, weren't there other people that were starving in those days? Why this particular woman? Why was Elijah sent to this woman? The, the, the point is, it's not random. That, that our faith and our obedience, and today I want to tell you that our generosity accesses these kinds of blessings and even miracles, I believe. If you believe that, say amen. So here's what, I want to back up, I want to go a little bit deeper into this passage, and I want to tell you that when, when love gives, it looks like this. Number one, it is blessed. It is blessed. Verse 8 says that this was a wealthy woman. In other words, she was resourced. Now you might be sitting there and say, well, pastor, you, you lost me at that point, because I'm not wealthy. I'm not rich in any way. Can I tell you that three-fourths of the world would disagree with that statement or with that thought? Because most of the world looks at us and our culture, even, even if they could look into Pottawatomie County, they would say, man, those people in the United States are rich just because we live in this nation. Why? Because of the opportunity. Because, because we, we have the opportunity that most worlds, most nations don't have. I've been to other countries and I've heard other missionaries and other people talk about people who live in the United States. I've met people before in other parts, people in Mexico, people in El Salvador, or people in Asia that make $5 a day, $10 a day, work just as hard as you do and bring home $5 a day. They look at us and think that, that we're rich. They say things like that, this. No, there are people in the United States that are so rich that they have homes with rooms, with, with, with more than one room. That in their houses, their people that are in the United States that are so rich that they have a room for each person in their house. That's how rich people are in the United States. There are people in the United States that they're so rich that they have two cars, one for the man and one for the woman. That's how rich people are in the United States. And get this, they have a house for their car. That's how rich they are. Get this. There are people in the United States that are so rich that they have a house for their dog. Their dog house. And that dog, he has his own doctor. People in the United States are so rich that they don't just have one. They don't just have two, but some of them have even three pairs of shoes in their closet. They have a, a, they have a room for their clothes and their shoes, and they have more than three pairs of shoes. That's right. They have shoes for like, for like sports. They have shoes for like winter and summer, and they're different, and they don't even wear those shoes that they wear in the summer, in the winter. That's how rich those people are. 
I know I'm having a good time with this at your expense. But here's the point. In the United States, there are diverse degrees of wealth. I get it. There are different classes of people just like other parts of the world. But living in the United States gives us, everyone here, has a wealth potential, has a wealth possibility that other people and other worlds or other nations don't have. Are you with me? We, we have that. So, so when I talk about love giving, when I talk about being resourced, I'm talking about wherever you are right now. I will never ask you and I will never challenge you to do what you can't have. It's all relative. And here's another thing. Just because you're blessed. I mean, have you, have you ever been sitting at a table and, and you didn't eat all your food and somebody makes you feel bad because you didn't eat all your food? You know what I'm saying? Maybe that's some of our problems because our parents made us eat all of our food. Then we're like, man, we eat all of our food now and all of hers. You know what I'm saying? But don't feel bad about the blessings of God. I want to tell you that. If today God has blessed you and you have resources beyond all of your bills and you have, you know, you have a bank account that you're taking care of for the rest of your life and you don't have to, you're completely out of debt and, and you're just completely solid in your finances and God is blessing blessing you and you are wealthy. Do not feel bad about that. That is a trap of the enemy and that enemy wants to throw guilt on people for that. Don't feel bad about it. I talk to, so I've talked to several people. God puts me in contact with people that are resourced and the thing about people that are, that, that are really wealthy in our culture is sometimes they feel bad about it. Don't feel bad about it. I talked to a guy that bought a $90,000 car, wrote a check for it, and he said, you know what, I feel really bad about that. I've, I feel like I, I really shouldn't do something like that. Baloney. Baloney. If God blesses you, don't feel bad about the blessings of God. Let me tell you something. Everybody here is driving the nicest car that they can afford, right? Most people are. So don't feel bad about, about the blessings of God. Here's the deal. Don't take the money that you should be giving to God and spit it on that car, all right? Now, if you're tithing, if you're building God's kingdom through your finances, and, and there's a really good chance if you go here and God has blessed you in that way, that you're, you're giving a lot of resources to the church. We have a generous church and people that are blessed, and we just like here, there are people that have the ability to do more, and God is blessing this church with, with people that have the ability to do more. Man, don't feel bad about all the blessings of God in your life because you're sharing that. You're being generous. But listen to me. If God has blessed you, and you don't help out people that are in need help, and you don't help out the church, and you walk through this life, and God has blessed you, and all you do is resource yourself, I want to tell you something. And I say this based on the word of God, not just because I don't care. I don't care what you do, all right? I do not want to be in your shoes in the next life because the Bible is very specific about people that have been resourced in this life that don't help others. The Bible is very specific about people that walk through this life and, will, and, and, and have many opportunities and ministry opportunities in church and will walk and sit in a church and have nothing to do with helping out the kingdom of God. I don't care what you do. I'm preaching what the scripture says, okay? All right? I'm not trying to get in. I want you to understand that. God blesses me. God blesses this church. This is, this is for people. I'm talking about how love gives but realize, here's the big deal, realize that we have been blessed for a purpose. So if we are here and we have been resourced, I have been resourced, God has blessed me in a certain way, God requires something of me. If you have been resourced above and beyond most people, God has resourced you for a reason. Don't walk through this life and not be a part of building his kingdom. The blessings of God, the blessing of resource comes with the responsibility 
of generosity. Did you hear that? Because it's relative. No matter where you are in our culture, the blessing of resources comes with the responsibility of generosity. Number two, not only when love gives, not only is it blessed, number two, it honors God. In 2 Kings 4, 9, it says, she said to her husband, I am sure this man who stops by from time to time is a holy man of God. Proverbs 3 tells us to honor God with our resources. It actually says it's specific, the first fruits, the first and the best, not the last and least, that we are to honor God with our resources. And her desire to honor God led her to a place where she met the man of God. Her desire to honor God led her to a place where she had the opportunity to to honor the kingdom of God and it being built. Listen to me. If you desire to honor God, God will put ministry in your opportunity. God will put a ministry opportunity in your life. Let me tell you why. How many of you can honestly say that you would love to give to God? Let me see your hand. All right, everybody's hand should be in there. Does anybody here desire not to give to God? Let me see your hands. Okay, so I'm just going to go out on a limb. If you didn't raise your hand, you think this is a trick question by the pastor. That's okay because I do that sometimes. But I'm going to try it one more time because this is not a trick question. How many of you here desire to honor God? Or how many of you here desire to give to God? Okay, so that's, that's everybody here, all right? All right, so, oh man, I'm going to give, I'm going to give to God. God needs my Jefferson. God needs this, man. I'm going to give, God, I'm going to give you my 20. Can we do that? We really can't. And even if I could give God a 20, would he really need it? Thank you, Travis. <laughs> Thank you for your 20. You know what I'm saying? Everything in the world is his. That's not how you give to God. That's not how he pours into your life. If you want to give to God, you give to, towards building his kingdom. If you want to give to God, you give to the local church because God so loved the world that he gave his son. His son came to the world and he established what? The church. So if you want to give to God, you give to the local church. Honoring ministry is an opportunity to give to God. Listen, honoring ministry, honoring ministry is an opportunity to give to God. My son does this thing. He's in growth track over there right now. He's, he, he heads up growth track. But he, he does this thing every time he preaches. And maybe you've seen this, that I always sit right there and he goes, you know, I want to, he always starts out his message like this. He's like, I'm going to, uh, right now, I want to do something that I always like to do. Pastor Travis, will you stand? We're just going to honor him right now. Come on. I have asked him not to do that. I'm like, son, do not do that. That's, first of all, that's awkward. That's not necessary for me. I mean, don't, just don't. And he goes, Dad, I want to do that. Will you please let me do that? I'm like, all right. You know, I just, it's, and he knows it just kind of rubs me. I don't know. It just kind of, what if I did that to you? What if I was like, you know what, John? Well, you know what, uh, 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 Chad, you know, sorry, <laughs> sorry, draw a blank. I'm seeing a lot of people at once, okay? You know what? I think we need to honor Chad. Chad, won't you go ahead and stand up? Chad, stand up. <laughs> Come on, let's honor Chad right now. Come on, man. <laughs> Anybody else want that? Throw your hands in the air. Somebody raise their hand. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Come on. Who wants it? Go ahead. Carter, stand up. Come on, let's honor Carter right now. Anybody else? Can we do that for anybody else? It's, it's not what you think. <laughs> right? It's not what you think. So this led us to have this discussion 
all the way to the point that we're at a conference and I'm surrounded by pastors that sit on our advisory board and that I mentor me, that I look up to. Some of them are retired and whatever. And Bill's like, I have a question for you, Pastor, about my dad. And he brings this up and the pastor looks at him and looks at me and he first looks at Bailey and he says, don't ever stop doing that. Then he looks at me and he said, let make sure that you let him do this because this is not about you. This is not about special Travis. This is about teaching your church to honor its ministry. And if you, if you teach your church to honor ministry, God can bless them. Do you want, Travis, do you want God to bless your church? Here, let me think about that. Yes. <laughs> then, then teach them and allow them to honor ministry. So I got to thinking about that as I, I began to dive into that. So I read in 1 Timothy 5 and 17, it says, The elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor especially those whose work is preaching and teaching so I got to reading this a couple times and I said you know Travis that's actually you that's actually you so I mean if you think about it mature leaders if you think about it so okay so I'm going to talk about this for the next 10 minutes or for the next seven minutes and this is very very uncomfortable to me and but I'll be past this in seven minutes okay so I'm going to talk about what this means but I'm going to talk about it about, I'm not, I'm, we're not going to talk about how to tra- honor Travis. We're going to talk about how to honor other pastors, okay? We're going to talk about that because it makes it a little bit easier. The Bible says that if you, as we just read, if you spend your life in the Word of God, drawing out things and digging principles in order to teach and convince people to change their lives and draw and, 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 and just think and pray and fat and all the things that pastors do. And I'm, I'm not just throwing things together on Sunday. I really pray for this church. And I, I mean, the Bible says if you do that and you teach, there's not just a responsibility, but there's an honor. Will you put that back up there? It says that I'm not just worthy or no wait. It says that pastors aren't just worthy of honor, but they're worthy of what? Say it again. Just, just say it one more time. They're worthy of what? So you might be sitting there thinking, how in the world, Travis, can we honor you doubly? That's what you were thinking. We want to bring double honor to Pastor Travis. Is that what you're thinking? All right, I'm glad you're thinking that. So, Because I wrote this down. How you can doubly honor PT. All right. If you really, really, really want to make me feel honored, if you want to just give me a double dose of honor at Faith Co. Church, let me tell you what to do. This is what makes me feel honor. Honor this house. I don't need really any attaboys or pats on the back or, or I don't need you. I mean, if you want to take me out, I'm all down for eating steak or whatever. But if you really want to make me feel honored, you know what I'm saying? Uh, what about gifts? I, I, I can buy whatever I want. It's not, it, if you want to make me feel honored, honor this house. I have dedicated my life to building a house for God. Not, not just a building. That's the least of this. It is a people that are passionate about loving God, connecting with others, and reach the world. Help me fulfill the mission of this church. Amen? Help me do this. If you want to make me feel doubly honored, show me. Show me. Get people saved. Invite your friends. Resource this house if you want to do that. If you, if you want to help me do, if, if you want to make me feel doubly honored, help us resource this, this ministry. Man, 
when you give to Faith Co. Church, when you tithe, when you're faithful, I look for the day when, when, when at least half the church decides that they're going to start giving. If you want to help me and you want to honor me, give to this because it blesses everybody in this church. It blesses people that serve in nursery. It blesses people that are serving out in the parking lot. It helps us buy new computers. It is a blessing to everyone. It blesses people that were, that's on staff here. I look and pray for the day where we all get to serve here and work here and don't have to have side hustles to make it. I look for that day. If you want to be a blessing and make me feel doubly honored, resource and be a blessing to this house. If you want to doubly honor Travis, give me a double dose of honor. Help me by making Faithco an excellent place of ministry. Show up and serve and make it feel like it's your own. Serve in the coffee bar and make people feel like you're the best barista that ever was born. Show up out in the parking lot and bring something extra. Show up in the nursery. Don't stand us up. Show up in the nursery and serve like it's, it's bring your A game. That makes me feel honor. Amen? Make it feel like when, when people come here and they experience you and experience this house, they want to get saved and they want to be part of Faith Go. They don't leave here and say, man, I'm never going there again. They, they come here and they say, this is what I want to be a part of. That is what makes me feel double honored. You know what else makes me feel double honored? Because you asked. You want to really know what makes me feel honored as a messenger of God? Help me buy a bike for every single kid that writes a letter. Help me do that. Help me get bikes to the Expo Center and give them out on the 21st. Help me make a bunch of cookies. Help me give out hot chocolate. Help me give haircuts to kids that have never really had a real haircut. Help me give, give, give bikes to, or to resource grandparents and grandmas who, have le- who, who, have, who are taking care of their grandkids because the kids have taken off or kids are strung out on something. Help me be a blessing to them. Help me do that. Help me air up tires and, and take off training wheels and, and basically just load them up. I promise that day you will feel like you have been used by God to make a huge difference. But it feels like you're doing it for me. And I, that's why I'm walking around thanking everybody. And I'm saying thank you. Thank you for doing this. Man, this means so much. Thank you. You're like, yeah, I'm not doing this for you. But can I have that? Can I just have that? I just want, I feel like you're doing it for me because you're helping me. Fulfill the mission of God at Faith Go Church to make a difference, to be generous to a world that needs to experience God. Amen? Amen. That's how you can give me a double dose of honor. Lastly, when love gives, it acts on opportunities. 2 Kings 4 and 10 says, let's build him a small room. Furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. We'll give him a place to stay when he comes by. Love feels, love sees, but most importantly, love, it acts. She didn't just see a need. She acted on that need. She didn't just say, hey, somebody should help that guy. Completely resourced, completely blessed and wealthy. You know, a lot of people just kind of sit back and, and say somebody should do something about that situation. Some people go as far to criticize don't you like it when you know what you could do, you wish you could do, you, if, if you had the opportunity or the resources to do it, and people come along and tell you what you need to be doing like you hadn't figured that out for yourself, and you're like, hey, man, don't just come in here telling me all the suggestions. Pick up a hammer. Help. Love acts on an opportunity. 
A lot of people you know, tell us or a lot of people might tell you, hey, hey, why don't you do this about this situation? Hey, why don't you help me in this situation? If you see a need, act on that need. Don't just give me advice. Give me a hand, right? It's kind of like somebody showing up and you got a flat tire alongside of I-4. Do they show up? I'm like, man, you got a flat. <sighs> you should do something about that flat tire. And I tell you what, if you do something about that flat tire, you'll be able to drive down the road better. Why don't you go buy yourself a brand new tire? That'd take care of this situation. There's this guy out here that's got a flat tire. I can't believe he's even out here. His family's in the vehicle and everything. I can't believe that somebody would drive around on a tire that that's flat. That is terrible. Nobody needs that. You know what you can do? To help out in a situation where there's a need? Anything. Anything but criticize. Right? Anything but criticize. Act. Act on an opportunity. As far as the question of doing something, acting on an opportunity, how do I know if God is speaking to me about giving or generosity? How do I know about that? Four things quickly. Number one. or not, They're not numbered. For some reason, I decided to put them in A, B, C, D. Okay. First of all, how do I know if God's speaking to me about giving? Number one, is it kingdom building? Now, there's a lot of opportunities that we have that is man building, that is organizational building, that it's charities or or whatever. I want to know that it's kingdom building. Even if it's bikes for kids, I want to know if it's kingdom building. I know what's going to happen, all right? Now, the next one is, I ask myself, proximity. Is this close to me? The woman was able to help out Elijah because Elijah was walking to her city and, and met her at her house or whatever. There's a relationship in my giving. If I know that God is speaking to me about giving, it's going to be kingdom building and it's going to be proximity. When somebody comes into our church and we give them financially or a missionary, I have a relationship with that person. We're not giving into a black hole. We're not giving to somebody we don't know. You, you, when I talk to you about Bikes for Kids, you're going to see me in the hallway you're going to shake my hand. You're going to look into my eyes. Some people, hand, some people hand us donations in the foyer. You know what we're doing. Bikes for Kids happens here in Shawnee. We're all going to be there. We're going to, we're going to show up and eat some of the cookies. Or maybe that's just me. That's for the kids. <laughs> we're going to show up and we're going to show up and get all dressed up. And we're, there's a proximity situation. There's a relationship-based thing. We're not we're not just we're not just doing something to somebody and and, and you know there's there's a relationship. See, do I have the means? God will never ask you to do something that you can't do. If you don't have the resources or the finances to do it, I'm not going to ask you. To, I will never. Nobody should ever feel pressure to give if they don't have the means. Don't ever put a gift on a credit card if you can't pay for it. I've seen ministers do that. I've seen churches or I've seen ministries do that on tele- There used to be people, you know, put it on a credit card. No, no, no. Don't give what you don't have. D, opportunity. Is there an opportunity? Is there an opportunity to make a difference? So, so is it kingdom building? Is it close in proximity? Do I have the means? And there's opportunity. If you can say yes to all those, there's a good chance that God could be speaking to you about giving. God could be speaking to you about making a difference. So here's the deal. 1 Corinthians 13 and 5. Now I've talked about finance and I'm talking about resources. And I, that's, that's my thing. I'm a finance guy. I, I talk about those things. But do you know one of the best things that you can give that uh, a resource that costs you nothing is yourself. And what I mean by that, acts of kindness. 
And I've, I've saved this for the last because I want you to know that no matter where you are financially, one of the most powerful things that you can give as a believer of God and a follower of Christ is kindness. There's never been a, lack, a greater lack of and there's never been a greater need for kindness. And kindness does not cost you anything. And yet, it's one of the greatest things, and you are a resource. Everybody here, as a follower of Christ, is resourced with a spirit of kindness that can be given. Amen? So let me close with this. This wealthy woman saw something that needed to be done that she could do something about. Because she was blessed, because she desired to honor God, and she acted on an opportunity. So I want to ask you something. Is it possible that God moved in her life, and this was not a random miracle, because she acted in a way of generosity? I believe her actions moved the hand of God in her life, not only to give her a son, but also to bring her son back from death because of her acts of generosity. And this example is given for a reason. It was not coincidence. It was not random. I want to challenge you to tie into the blessings of God in your life that he might have for you through generosity and is it possible that in November that God is speaking to Faith Co. Church and is it possible that God is testing this church to see how we respond to giving away coats or to giving our coats away is it possible that God is testing Faith Co. Church because of what he wants to do in the future to resource this church to be the most generous church body in, in the community is it possible that God is testing us because of our desire? And as we drop off our shoes today, is it, is, it, is it possible that God could be testing our generosity today? Is it possible that next week that God could be testing our generosity as we bring our best offering, as we look at a new ministry, as God is going to be leading us into a new dimension of ministry, of generosity, because I believe that love gives. And I want, to be, I want Faith Co. to be known as a ministry, known for generosity. If that be the case, I want God to move in my life. Amen. So, Father, I pray for every person that's here. And thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. And, Lord, this message is challenging to me as a pastor. So I pray, Lord, that, that this word, as it goes forth, it sinks deep down into our hearts and brings change. In the name of Jesus, wherever we are. As every head is bowed, maybe God is speaking to you today about something. What is God saying to you? What is God saying to you about generosity? What is God saying to you about your life? Can you receive that? Can you allow God to challenge you? Can you allow God to confront you in an area of your life? Lord, bless every person that is here. Speak to every person that is here. Bring us to a place where we understand exactly what generosity, the power of generosity can be. Faithful giving to your kingdom. In the name of Jesus, if you receive that, say amen. If you'll continue to bow your heads, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if he's not Lord and Savior of your life, you can say, Travis, I've never given my life to Christ or I have, I have walked away from the Lord at some point in my life for whatever reason, you know you're not right with God. If you can say, Travis, I'd like to be right with God. That's me. And I don't want to leave here if without knowing I'm right with God. Listen, I won't ask you to stand. I won't single you out. I won't embarrass you. You don't have to walk in the aisles. I just want to say a prayer, and I want you to pray it with me. If you can say, Travis, that's me, and I want to pray that prayer with you right now. Put your hand up and put it down so I know I'm praying with somebody.
Can anybody say that? That's me. I'm serious about this. And I want to make things right with God. I'm just going to ask one more time. I'm going to move on if there's nobody here that can say that. But I just don't want to miss the opportunity in case you're that person. I see your hand over here on the left. You can put it down. Anybody else? Anybody else before we pray? All right, we're going to pray. I don't know if I saw everybody. And if you didn't raise your hand, you can say this prayer with us and mean it with all your heart. Let's pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm before you today, and I give you my life. And Jesus, I ask you to be Lord and Savior of my life and take my life and use it for your cause. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.